Informed consent, getting to yes, is editorially independent content supported with advertising by Johnson & Johnson Vision. How do you educate your cataract patients on the value of Toragaya wells to manage their astigmatism? How do you communicate your confidence in the technology? When do you go with toric lenses versus LRIs? I'm Marguerite McDonald of Oakley Vision in Oceanside, New York, and this is what we'll be talking about in this episode of Informed Consent Getting to Yes. I have three distinguished guests. First, let me welcome back Dr. Bill Wiley, Medical Director of Cleveland Eye Clinic in Cleveland, Ohio. Welcome, Bill. Thanks, Marguerite. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Next is Courtney Hauser, a refractive surgeon at the Hamilton Eye Institute in Memphis, Tennessee, where she is also an assistant professor of ophthalmology in the Department of Ophthalmology at the University of Tennessee. Thank you so much for having me. And finally, I'm very pleased to have a key opinion leader in this area, Blake Williamson, who is a refractive and cataract surgeon at the Williamson Eye Center in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Thanks for having me, Marguerite. Before we get started, I'd like to ask each of you to describe your practice. Let's go in reverse order. Blake. Yeah, so we are a multi-generational family practice. We started about 75 years ago with my grandfather, who was an OD actually. He had four sons. All four of them went into ophthalmology and are all practicing at, at Williamson Eye, or, or have for a while at least. Um, and then I'm a third generation. We have about 125 or so employees, uh, 10 optometrists, uh, four surgeons, seven locations, and an in-house uh, ASC. So. Uh, a pretty uh, pretty large, vertically, vertically uh, integrated uh, practice down here in South Louisiana. So I work at uh, a private practice with the university. So I have residents and fellows with me, which I love having. And I also have two locations. I work at our downtown office and a satellite office. Um, most of my practice is cataract surgery, but I also have some refractive and cornea surgery mixed in as well. I practice in Cleveland, uh, in Cleveland Ohio at Cleveland Eye Clinic. And the majority of what I do is, is cataract and refractive surgery. Initially, we kind of had two separate practice entities, more of a refractive, you know, LASIK practice and then a traditional cataract practice. And then as we've all seen over the years, cataract surgery has transitioned to truly an extension of refractive surgery. And so we try to look at every cataract patient as truly a refractive surgery and make sure the patients understand what they're getting into. And we try to meet those goals and meet the refractive goals. We've got great technology now for basically almost any situation that may present itself. And I think it's a great time to be a provider in trying to reduce astigmatism and achieve those patients' refractive goals. So walk us through your thought process, Bill, if you will. When you see someone with just a small amount of astigmatism, do you do femto AKs or manual AKs? When do you say, this is toric for me. I, I personally use a lot of intraoperative apparometry to help guide my astigmatism choice. So usually I'm not making a final decision on which lens I'm going to choose until I'm in the operating room. So often I'm walking into the oper operating room with both a monofocal or a toric lens. And depending on what intraoperative apparometry shows me, I may if it's more than a diopter of astigmatism, I'm going to use a torque lens. If it's less than a diopter of astigmatism, I'll do a manual LRI. 
So whenever my cataract evaluation patients come in, I make sure I evaluate the surface, I get topography, optical biometry, and also pay careful attention to their current refraction as well as their habitual glasses prescription. I review all of that information before I go in to talk with the patient. So I have some ideas of what I wanna talk about. I bring all of the testing in with me to speak with the patient as well so I can show them the images. But if I see someone that has about 0.4 diopters or more of against the rule astigmatism, or about 1.7 of with the rule, that's when my mind starts to think that I wanna probably go with the toric, assuming it's regular and everything else looks normal on exam. If I have less astigmatism than that, then that's when I start thinking about doing a, a limbal relaxing incision. I prefer to do a femto LRI just because I feel like it's a little more accurate. And that is one thing I think with confidence, the femto can do better than my hands with the manual LRI. I do, however, do manual LRIs for some oblique astigmatisms that I have postoperatively. If it's consistent with the refraction in a post-op FACO, I will do a manual LRI in the clinic to touch up some of their residual astigmatism if needed. Yeah. So usually with anybody with any reasonable amount of astigmatism, I'm actually talking to them about the light adjustable lens these days. But, but uh, before that, or if I didn't have access to that, usually the cutoff is about 1.5 for me. Uh, anything in that 125 to 1.5 range is when I'm going to kind of start talking about it, especially if it's against the rule. Um, I find that with against the rules uh, cylinder with my femto AKs of my catalyst, you know, that those they're, they're very large incisions when you get up to a, over a diopter of sill against the rule. And that's right where my, where my keratome is going to be. So I really don't like doing that. So for against the rule cylinder, that one to one, two, five, I'm kind of talking to them about toric lenses. If it's, if it's with the rule, however, right there around 90, I'll go up to about 1.5 before I convert them over to a toric lens. And below that, do you like uh, manual LRIs or do you like Femto or do you both? Yeah, we use exclusively Femto uh, on the catalyst. We, we stopped doing manual LRIs the day that they installed our catalyst. Same here. <laughs> How do you approach the patient? Could you pretend I'm Mrs. Smith and I have two and a half diopters of astigmatism and you want me to have a toric? What would you say? Yes. So I'd say, listen, Mrs. Smith, um, you have two issues. I want you to understand that you have two different problems that are affecting your vision. The first is your cataract. The second is something called astigmatism. Now, Ms. Smith, you've probably heard of astigmatism. What it means is that the shape of your eye is a little bit steeper than normal. And so it bends light rays a little differently and vision gets a little blurry. In order to fix your vision all the way and not just fix the cataract, we're going to have to address your astigmatism too. And Ms. Smith, I want you to know something. You're going to have to make a choice. You have to fix your astigmatism one way or the other. Either we can do it after surgery with a new pair of glasses or bifocals or contacts, or if you'd like, since you're already in the table anyway, we can just fix it right there with a toric lens implant. By doing this, this is going to provide you a lot of freedom from glasses after surgery at a distance. So I don't think you're going to have to wear bifocals. So, Ms. Smith, I see here that you are having some trouble with your vision. You're interested in seeing better. I'm sure you've most likely heard that you have astigmatism whenever you've gotten your glasses filled. That means that there's nothing wrong with your eye, but you have a little bit of a funny shape to your cornea, and it means it's not quite like a baseball. If we decide to take your cataract out, you're going to be happy no matter what we do, but if we want to get you your absolute best vision without glasses, then we will want to consider correcting your astigmatism. 
And if uh, that is something that you would like to try to be out of glasses after your surgery, which you're probably used to wearing, then I think we can really improve the quality of your vision with the astigmatism correction. What I would say, I'd say, Mrs. Smith, you know, you have a fair amount of astigmatism. There's a number of ways we can correct that. You know, uh, thankfully, through cataract surgery, we have the ability to uh, reduce or eliminate that astigmatism with functionally a goal of getting you better vision without glasses. And if your goal is to see not only more clearly, but see more clearly without glasses, I strongly recommend that uh, you choose, you know, astigmatism correction with your cataract surgery. We can do two different techniques when we do astigmatism correction. We can do you know, a one focus lens to give you great distance vision, and then you'll wear reading glasses. Or now we do have the ability to treat both distance and near with a, with a multifocal lens uh, and have astigmatism correction incorporated so that you can see clearly distance and near without glasses. So you know, if your goals are, you know what, if you don't mind wearing glasses after surgery, what I'll recommend is just more or less a basic you know, cataract surgery. But if your goal is to see better without glasses, I strongly recommend astigmatism correction. How about uh, multifocal toric implantation? So I think those are, if, if we're going to put in multifocals, astigmatism correction is absolutely required. I think a multifocal can offer patients a lot of glasses independence and improvement in their life, but if you leave astigmatism, then the image quality just is significantly reduced, and so it's imperative to correct it, and the reliability of a toric lens when possible is so much better than with a peripheral corneal relaxing incision. So I think if at all possible, including your astigmatism correction with the multifocal, um, that's how you're gonna increase your patient satisfaction. When you're approaching somebody for a multifocal toric, do you start off explaining the multifocality and then talk about the toricity or which do you approach first? So usually my discussion begins with the multifocality going in. I've looked at their, I usually get an OCT on these patients as well. So I know in my mind if they're going to be a good candidate going in. And I start with asking them their value of glasses independence. If they're going into this hoping to have as much independence as possible, depending on their needs, then I will tell them, okay, well, we have a few options. If you would like to have some independence at near, we have options of multifocal, trifocal, bifocal, and some extended depth lenses. And if they say, no, no, I definitely um, want to just see distance and wear readers, then I will say, okay, well, we can do that, but we should also correct astigmatism. If the patient does express some interest in getting independence from glasses for near, which often they do, then I'll go over the options and then say, in addition to correcting and giving you some near vision, it's also important that we correct your astigmatism. And lucky for you, we now have the technology to do so with one, one procedure. Well, it used to be if somebody had a lot of astigmatism, we, we had to kind of go through that with the patient and say, well, we can correct your distance, but we're probably not be able to correct distance and near. And what's great now is we have presbyopic torques or monofocal torques and, uh, and then kind of an offshoot, a little bit of a side topic. We now have the adjustable uh, lens that can treat astigmatism as well, which is in a way is a torque lens as well. So we, we, just, we, uh, we just launched the uh, light adjustable lens here in Louisiana. Uh, a few months ago, we have the only laser down here. So we've been getting patients from all over, a lot of post-RK, 
you know, post-refractive patients that, you know, that, that have heard about this. And yeah, but, but even though you, you do, you hear about it a lot to nail monovision or to, to nail that post-refractive patient, I keep telling people it's a great tool just for astigmatism itself. Because if you think about it, Marguerite, I mean, you know, how many times do you put in a, 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 a toric lens for that patient who has two diopters of sill? How many times do they have zero residual cylinder? Pretty rare. They may have like a quarter or a half diopter, right? And they're happy, no doubt about it. But it's the difference between 20 happy and 20 ecstatic is when you leave them with zero. And to me, that's where the light adjustable lens comes in. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of extra chair time, a lot of extra visits. There's no doubt about it. But, but if you really are seeking that perfect, you know, 20 ecstatic outcome with zero residual cylinder, this is what I'm talking to patients about now. It is so time intensive. Do you find that your practice has to, of course, charge more for that versus a standard toric? So, we, so that's a great question. We actually do charge more. It's about 50% more to get the light adjustable lens than it is a, a standard toric lens, which is combined with, with Femto and all that. Um, and that's just because of, of the uh, amount of visits uh, that patients have, have to go through to do that. Now, over the years, toric eye wells have improved in design, of course, and the chance of a post-op rotation is really dropping. Um, I think there are some design features that have helped with that. Don't you agree? So I think across the board, we've made a lot of improvements in our astigmatism correcting lenses, so that's a lot less of a concern. I, I agree. I think we've come a long way. From what I can tell, any of the modern uh, toric lenses available are going to have a very low rate of rotation. Do you find that you have to take your own incision into account? Is there any impact from your incision that you can predict and put in your formula? Yeah, I, it's interesting. I, I've seen over the years, we've had differing thoughts on that. And we, we initially, we saw a fair amount of variability in the surgical induced astigmatism, where we had a wide range from as little as zero you know, induction of uh, astigmatism to as high as, you know, a diopter. And uh, so we had some inconsistencies there. Now with intraoperative aberometry, a lot of that's taken into account where, you know, we're, we're, we're taking the reading after, after the incision's been made. And so we can use that into the calculation. Also, I think a lot of the variability in the past was also posterior corneal astigmatism, which we didn't have a great way. Well, number one, I don't think we really understood that it was even there. And so we weren't measuring it or weren't considering it. And now with the Baylor nomogram, at least it goes into our consideration. Preoptively, we also have the, you know, the newer biometry devices can help estimate or measure posterior corneal astigmatisms. The um, posterior cornea is really important in judging how much astigmatism to correct. If we base just on the anterior cornea, we're going to really underestimate the against the rule and overestimate the with the rule astigmatism. So in order to take that into account, you have to divide them into two groups, basically, and treat them differently. So that's why your threshold for a toric is so much lower um, for against the rule. That's an excellent point about taking the posterior cornea into account. And I'm afraid that's where we're going to have to leave it. Thank you all so much for participating. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, great. Thanks so much, Marguerite. It's great to work with you. It's an honor to be out here with you. Thank you. Thanks, Marguerite. I appreciate the opportunity. You are all welcome. And to the audience, thanks for listening to Informed Consent Getting to Yes. Stay well.
Informed consent, getting to yes, is editorially independent content supported with advertising by Johnson & Johnson Vision.